podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This episode is sponsored by My Eyes Have Seen the Glory, the new book on Tottenham Hotspur by Toby Benjamin and Alan Fisher and illustrated by Paul Trevilian, featuring exclusive interviews from a host of legends, including Jermaine Defoe, Ozzy Ardiles, Glenn Hoddle and many more, as well as ex-managers including Martin Yeo and Harry Redknapp, now available to buy at mooneyandlambert.com slash my eyes have seen the glory. Hello there, my name is Miles Jupp and I'm just interrupting you as you listen to whatever it is that you actually want to listen to to tell you about the second series of Middle Please Umpire. Middle Please Umpire is a podcast that I, Miles Jupp, if you weren't concentrating when I first introduced myself only moments ago, that's not a criticism, your thoughts are your own and you must focus them wheresoever you yourself choose, host with Mark Wood, the 95 mile an hour bowling, England playing World Cup winning Northumberland hailing cricket lunatic Mark Wood. It's another series of episodes of the two of us talking about cricket and indeed any other stuff that springs to mind both with each other and also with a succession of frankly illustrious guests. We lift the lid on Mark's life as an international sportsman, basically he spends a lot of time icing himself, and take you on a whistle-stop journey through the windmills of his mind. I, a mere fan, listen agog, giggle excitedly and try and draw comparisons with my own rather more mundane existence. All episodes of Middle Please Umpire are available right now from your favourite podcast providers. Welcome to this week's episode of The Spurs Show in association with William Hill, the official betting partner of Tottenham Hotspur. And this week, we'll also brought you courtesy of the wonderful new book, My Eyes Have Seen the Glory. Before we uh, welcome our esteemed guest, uh, just a little message here. Makers of premium gaming peripherals, HyperX, are offering UK-based customers 20% off their entire full-price gaming headset range. Throughout May, TNCs apply. Head over to uk.hyperx.com to read the T's and C's and use the discount code SPURS. Once at the checkout, I'm currently using the HyperX SolarCast microphone and the HyperX Cloud 2 headphones. If you love your gaming, you love your doing your recording and podcast, they are a thing of beauty. So go to uk.hyperx.com, discount count, discount code SPURS. Well worth it. You won't be disappointed. Right, joining me tonight, three guests. One of them played for Spurs. The other two didn't. Try and guess who's <laughs> who. <laughs> Firstly, all the way from US, uh, the wonderful publisher of the uh, book we're going to be talking about in the second half, My Eyes Have Seen the Glory, and co-founder of uh, of uh, Mooney and Lambert, and before that, the wonderful Unbound as well. Troy Lambert is here. How are you, Troy? Fantastic. The sun is shining. Dodgecoin is up. It's all good. <laughs> For those of you who can't see, he's resplendent in a Tottenham cap. Quite an extraordinary top. I've never seen that top before. I, I hope it's official merchandise or something dodgy from Bangkok. Who knows? <laughs> and uh, also joining us now, the last time this man was on the show, we got absolute pelters. This was the time that we're actually winning and near the top under Jose Mourinho. And this man uh, who said, no. I don't care we're winning. It's not the Tottenham way. I want this man out. I want my Tottenham back. We got loads of abuse. How dare he? Well, he was right. The rest of you was wrong. Returning the literary agent, Rick Mason. How are you, Rick? 
I'm fine. I'm still going to get abused, though. It's not going to make any difference. True, but you, boy, you honestly, we our our, our, our mailbag was brimming that week. <laughs> Extraordinary, and I'm sure we'll talk about Jose, who, for those of you who don't know, has just signed to manage Roma next season, which I'm sure uh, we'll talk about. But probably good news that uh, Mr. Levy doesn't have to pay the full compensation now. He's already found a new job, so that's good. And also returning, and I know this man is in this wonderful book, My Scene of Glory, is on our show many, many times. Uh, wonderful, wonderful ex-player for Tottenham. Mickey Hazard returns. How are you, Mickey? I'm very good, mate. You? I'm really good. Yeah, really good. good. Feeling much happier, especially after the last game. And just, I, th- I know there's the whole Super League going on and demonstrations, but I think most Spurs fans are just feeling a slight weight off our shoulders a bit and kind of looking forward now to the, the rest of the season. Let's So obviously in this show, we're going to talk about the, uh, the quite simple win against Sheffield United. Leeds coming up managerial situation we'll probably have to touch a little bit on the uh, Super League we'll ask Troy Troy's going to know all about uh, other sports in America and, and how they work and whether he thinks it maybe could in some shape or form work in, in the UK and then we're going to talk about this wonderful book Myers has seen the glory which is literally about to come out and uh, there's a chance of winning this wonderful book later so listen through to the end for your chance to win a copy of my eyes to see in the glory. Mickey, we'll start with you. I, I, don't, I can't remember, but I know we, we on the show a couple of months ago. What were your feelings before Jose left? I know it's very difficult for you to say things or not say things because of your connection with the club, but you can say it now. He's gone. Were you, were you kind of thinking his time was up or did you think he deserved a bit more time? Well, number one, it's not very difficult for me to comment because I'm my own man and um, I decide what I say and I'm not told I can't say anything. So um, it's up to me. Sometimes I choose not to comment. Sometimes I choose to comment. What do I think? Of, what was I thinking of Jose? I've, I have to be totally not the honest here and say that when Jose arrived, I thought it could be the perfect match. Um, and while the match didn't seem to fit, um, that was because people didn't look deep enough. But if you were to look at the Spurs way um, and the way that Spurs teams throughout history played football, we sort of play, played with a flair and a creativity that was wonderful to watch. right? And sometimes the, the, the flair and creativity that we played the game with sometimes cost us winning titles because you need to be consistent over a 38-42 game period to win titles. So Jose coming in was a match made in heaven in, in, on the basis that his defensive organization and attack tactically tactical now added to the flan creativity that Spurs teams are renowned for they should have worked perfectly unfortunately Jose come in and, and, and sort of slowly or it appeared from the outside whether it did or, whether he did or it didn't or he didn't I, did, I don't know but from the outside looking in um, it looked like he slowly whittled the, the flair and the creativity away uh, and Became far too tactical and far too um, stoic in his in his um, the way that he preached the game, and it looked like all the players were um, sort of defending and without attacking, and, and that's not the Spurs' way. So while I felt at the time it was a perfect combination, by the time the end came, I was sort of bored. Um, I was very bored with the football that we were putting on. I felt that. Um, the times when he'd allowed the team to flourish 
Manchester United away, Manchester City in the first half, Arsenal in the first half. I felt that was the times when we really looked a good side. We looked solid when we didn't have the ball, but we looked so full of creativity and flair when we had it. Um, but it was far too often and, and, and became less and less as our results sort of got a little bit worse. Um, we conceded late equalisers on a number of occasions and uh, and then we suddenly became uh, played with less and less flair. So uh, at the end of the day, I, I felt it was the time, the right time to move them on. Yeah, that, I think that's fine. I mean, Troy, from your point of view, uh, you're in the US. Uh, before, before, just just give people a background, when did you start following Tottenham Hotspur? So I followed, started following Tottenham relatively recently. It's mm-hmm. Rick's fault. Oh, um, dear. How can he do it to you? Yeah. Uh, but uh, so I started following Tottenham and just as um, uh, probably the year before Jose came on and Jose came on and I was like, OK, I was kind of like Mickey. I think, you know, you have to be consistent, but you also need that creative flair. And I think that disappeared over the year. I was really hopeful when I watched their first, you know, where I'm like, OK, good defense and that creative flair with the ball is fantastic. And and I mean, as far as any sport, that's what you'd like to see. Otherwise we could watch it played by robots, you know, and it'd be just the, it'd be the same game. You know, we don't want robots to just stand back and defend and wait for some kind of opportunity. We want that creative flair to go forward and to do something and do something with the ball. And I felt like that's really what was missing in the, especially the last half of the season was that there just wasn't and and then, you know, we saw it Sunday against Sheffield is like all of a sudden it was like, wow, what what who is this team and where did they come from? Like, where have they been all year? And I know it was just Sheffield. I know it was yeah, just but, Sheffield. So, but you're right. You know, F- football should be football is, is a simple game. And uh, I think what Mason has done and, and the other coaches around him is letting players, attacking players, express themselves. As we saw I me, mean, Rick, you you have very, very vocal against the appointment of Jose. Even when we were top of the league, you were still saying, this ain't right, this ain't right. Do you kind of feel vindicated? And do you think now, it, with a few games to go, and really quite key games when you look at the running for other teams around us, do you think the handbrake's been take, taken off a bit now? Uh, yeah, to a certain extent. I think that Ryan, is, who's a lovely guy, but I'm not not sure that it should have been him that was that was put in charge at such a young age. He seems to have come up from the the development side and and kind of overtaken uh, Chris Powell and and Ledley King, which I think was was quite a surprise. But uh, for me, it's more about not having Mourinho than having Ryan Mason. I think that, and the reason I was so vocal even when we were top, was it seemed to be one tactic which was Harry Kane dropping deep, putting a through ball for Son to outpace the defenders. And that just seemed to be his one idea of how we win. Well, it started off fine, but eventually uh, teams and certainly the better teams learned how to play against it. And he didn't seem to have anything else. And And the reason I feel vindicated is because I can't think of one time when we've come out and played better in the second half under Jose. Um, Every time we looked like we needed to be the ones that changed our tactics at halftime, it didn't happen. And uh, and so often, I mean, I think we've, we've lost, what, 20 points from winning positions? 
And that is because the other manager managed to change things for the opposition at halftime, but Jose never could. Mm. Yeah, that's fair enough. And Mickey, let's, let's just look. I mean, the Sheffield United game, okay, a team that's been relegated, but, you know, sometimes for them, the, the, the shackles are off and they can express themselves as well. What was so nice, I thought, about the game at the weekend was we were patient, we created lots of chances, and yet again, a player that we were so excited to see, who for whatever reason was barely given a chance by Jose Mourinho. We saw Gareth Bell, wonderful hat trick, wonderful finishing. Happy days. I think that one of the key things for me that I wanted to see when I was watching uh, the first few games under Ryan was I wanted to see happy, smiling faces. Because happy, smiling faces, and as Bailey said himself, when he's happy, he plays better. And that's that applies to every player under the sun. Um, and on the Sheffield United game, and of course, Sheffield United are a great side, but ultimately they're under no pressure, so uh, they can relax and enjoy the occasion. Um, but we went out, we played good football, happy football. Um, it was much nearer the Spurs style that we love to see as a, as a Spurs fan. As a former player, I, I was brought up on the, the history and the traditions and philosophies of this football club. So, of course, any side that I support or watch um, it's at Whitehall at the new stadium, I want to see them play the Spurs way, the way that we were all brought up to play and the way that we were all brought up to, up to support. So, seeing the game against Sheffield United, uh, and, and admittedly, as I said, I've already said that there the weren't a a great side, but you still have to play that quality of football. I mean, there was a little move in the first off where there was a few one-twos between Harry Kane and so on, and then it was rolled into Dalian, and, and it just looked so Spursy. I thought, wow, this is we're on our way back. You know, and one of the the great things that Ryan said when he in one of his first interviews, I've got the job, was to say that look, I want us to get back to playing the Spurs way. And it's no coincidence that immediately Gareth Bay saying it was nice to play in a side where we're on the front foot playing the Tottenham way. You know, we expected it, Tottenham. We've been brought up on it. And that's, I don't want to watch any other way. Of course, I want to see us be solid and well-organised defensively. But I don't want that creative flair and um, taken away from us because that's what, I've loved over the years. That's what I love about Spurs. That's what I love about Spurs players. Even the Spurs poor teams still went forward and tried to win and attack. You know, they never sat back and said, oh, let's defend a 1-0 lead. They went to go and get the second or the third or the fourth. You know, and that's what I expect and that's what I hope um, that Ryan is going to... He certainly made a decent start um, to bringing that back. But that has to be sustained and, and, and sustained over a period because no Spurs fan will put up with boring football for too long. And that's in the end what happened with Jose. I mean, that, that's right. I mean, Troy, I mean, it, it's been such a weird season because the fans, I think apart from one game, the fans haven't been there. And I think many people on this show have been arguing throughout the season, if the fans were there... Jose would have gone a long time before because the football's been so bad. Uh, 
now in the UK, um, outdoor areas, uh, pubs are beginning to open. Uh, I think May the 17th, pubs open indoors. So you're now starting to get fans congregating a bit more, discussing the games. What's it like with, in the US at the moment, where you are? Where do you watch games? Is there a local uh, supporters club near you? And what's the kind of feeling there, if, if there is? So we do have, we have a local supporters club. It's called the Boise Spurs. Um, there's 75 um, rather unofficial members. Um, some of them more active than others, but there's actually a couple places where we can actually watch the game. Um, uh, well, typically, um, but of course, those places have been closed for the same reasons as the UK. Um, so there's a place downtown Boise called Tap House, and we go and watch there. Um, but there's they they basically been closed up. Um, now they've opened to outdoor seating and i think they open tap house opens to indoor but with masks and all those type of things limited seating relatively quickly um, but in the meantime we've been watching separately on um and we have to stream either you have to get sky sports sometimes espn plus um you have to jump through hoops to be able to watch the games <laughs> here because of course it's not you know this isn't what nbc is putting on sunday afternoons here and so um we have to dig, but what's really interesting is if I wear my Tottenham cap when it's um, when it's socially acceptable. There's been a few times this season when I wore it backwards and um, that type of thing. <laughs> over your eyes, but, yeah. uh, over my eyes. You know, I don't know how I watch the game, but anyway. Um, but when I wear it out, there are tons of people in Boise that are UK soccer fans, and yeah. part of it is, you know, relates to what we'll probably talk about in a few minutes about the Super League and stuff like that. Is that the Many of the U.S. teams have become so commercial. It's really hard to, it's it's really hard to be a fan. I've been a fan of the same U.S. team, the Vikings, for years, but when they built U.S. Bank Stadium and stopped spending off, you know, their spending went off the field towards facilities and things like that. I mean, like it Tottenham, really yeah. did impact us fans yeah. because we we were like, go and get us a franchise quarterback, and we've been through six that were not franchise quarterbacks. I mean. What are we supposed to do? So as fans, that makes watching the game very difficult because uh, similar to the Tottenham, the Vikings are known very much for rough, hard, hard-hitting football. Not always the cleanest football as far as American football, but, you know, we get the job done and we don't always win, but, man, it's fun to watch. And we've missed that the last few years. Kind of very similar circumstances. Yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting because the, the, there's quite a lot of analogies with what's happened with Tottenham off the field and, and many fans will argue that there hasn't been enough investment on the field. Rick, you know, Ryan Mason, we've got these games left. We've got Leeds coming up, uh, Leicester, Villa, Wolves, all eminently winning, would have been on paper. I, I think only the most optimistic Tottenham fan can see us getting Champions League, hoping that Chelsea and Leicester possibly drop points. We, we, we've probably got about an evens chance for Europa League uh, qualifications. Uh, going on to, to, to I mean, I mean, there's a few rumours today that if Mason wins all these games, you know, maybe they might stick with him. What are your feelings? What kind of manager would, would you like to get in Playing the Tottenham way. With all due respect to to Ryan, I I don't think he's ready to take on a full season at Premier League level, having jumped up from the development squad. I just don't think he's ready for that. I think he he might learn off of somebody that comes in and be ready for it in the future. But I don't think at twenty nine, he's the person to do that now. I um 
I still think that despite some of the news reports, we might still get Brendan Rodgers. And if we get Brendan Rodgers, uh, he would be my choice um, for Spurs manager. I think that he ticks all the boxes and uh, and I think he would bring in some creative players. For me, what's really been missing is uh, it's not just the creativity, but pace. We used to have a, a lot of pace down the wings with Walker and Rose, and we never really replaced that. And now we've got uh, we've got Son, who's got pace, but um, he he gets marked out the game far too often. But there's no creativity in midfield for me. There's no Mickey Hazard passing the ball around. Um, there's just really, uh, I think under under Pochettino, he was desperate to try and rebuild that team and wasn't wasn't given any money for 18 months. And I think that's where it all fell apart for him. The money was given, and I know a lot of people disagree with me here, but the, the money was given to Jose. And he brought in five or six players. But you look at the players that he brought in, and I really can't see anything there which is going to excite anybody. I think Regulon's a good player, and under the right manager, I think he will shine. I don't understand bringing in a player like Doherty and then um, playing a back four, because he's very much a wing-back that plays with a back three. And Hoiberg is a good player, but he's a holding midfield player. There's nobody pushing the ball forward. Lo Celso and Bergwijn, for me, you know, just are pretty average. And um, and I just think that a manager like Brendan Rodgers will, will see where we're weak and bring in the right players to give us that pace and creativity. Well, that's uh, interesting you talk about the managers. Let's go to a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to give you, uh, everyone, the, the latest odds, which are quite interesting, and also in the second half, and then we'll, we'll talk a bit about the Leeds game coming up and this wonderful new book that's about to come out. Back after this very short break. This episode is sponsored by My Eyes Have Seen the Glory, the new book on Tottenham Hotspur by Toby Benjamin and Alan Fisher and illustrated by Paul Trevelyan, featuring exclusive interviews from a host of legends, including Jermaine Defoe, Ozzy Ardiles, Glenn Hoddle, and many more, as well as ex-managers including Martin Yo and Harry Redknapp, now available to buy at mooneyandlambert.com slash myeyeshaveseenthegloory. And we're back from the break. Uh, just before we mention some of the odds, uh, don't forget for premium content, including a daily Spurs news show, ex-player interviews, an original documentary series on Spurs, go to patreon.com slash Spurs show. Our end of season event, which is going to be for Spurs show, season ticket holders only, uh, due to social distancing and numbers were allowed, is on May 25th. We've got Paul Coit with us and Dean Austin, uh, who obviously an FA Cup uh winner with us uh that's uh coming up uh now this is very interesting the latest odds and this i'll give you the odds from last week and how it's changed this week because this time last week absolute favorite was ten hog of uh ajax 
who's now signed a new contract. We're actually going to do a very special extra show on Friday with some European football experts to talk about some of the foreign managers we've been linked with, uh, a bit more detail, because I'm not that knowledgeable on some of them. Um, Rick mentioned before the break that Brendan Rodgers, who's my choice, last week Brendan Rodgers was 8-1. to one. He'd publicly said in various interviews he wasn't going anywhere. With William Hill, he's now 7-2 to two favourite. That's a big short in there. 8-1 to one to 7-2. The, the rumour is that you know what? He's got to say certain things. He's waiting for Leicester to play the FA Cup final. Can they get into the Champions League? And then if certain rumours are, Daniel Levy comes with an extraordinary offer. Uh, Brendan Rodgers might think, well, you know, that's that's some serious money. I've got to look at it. Um, other 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 managers that have come in slightly. Scott Parker was 8-1. to one. He's now coming to 6-1. to one. Santos of Wolves, who hasn't had a good season, was 10-1. to one. He's now 6-1. to one. Ragnick... Uh, uh, another player that's available was 10 to 1 last week, now 11 to 2. The other manager coming slightly is Graham Potter, was 12 to 1, now 10 to 1. Benitez, another manager that I, I think would do a good job at Tottenham, he's now 16 to 1, as is Jurgen Klinsmann, also 16 to 1. And Allegri, the ex Juventus manager, is now 12 to 1. Go to WilliamHill.com if you haven't already downloaded the app. Go to check out the website and the app for all the enhanced prices in the build up to kickoff. And on Friday's show, we'll go into more detail about odds for the Leeds game on Saturday lunchtime. Mickey, you've obviously worked under various managers at, at various clubs. You, you've said before how you want Tottenham to play football and the only way Tottenham can play football. With the names I gave you there, any sort of pop out, you sort of think, oh, I'd like to see him with the players we've got and also with obviously a, a, a few changes. Anyone there that stands out for you? Yeah, I mean, Brendan Rodgers is the obvious choice, that the obvious standout man. I mean, I'm very much a Tottenham man. Um, I'd like an appointment that's going to excite the fans. Um, I'd like an appointment of a, a Tottenham man that knows the history, the traditions, the philosophies of this great football club, who, who preaches the same style. Um, you know, I, I'm a great believer in, you know, people talk about Ryan Mason. Is he too young? Maybe he is. Is he experienced enough? No, maybe he's not. But the bottom line is he's a Tottenham man through and through from such a very, very early age. He came through the system, so we'll have learned everything there is to know about being a Tottenham player um, and, and, and consequently know, knowing what it takes to become a Tottenham manager. So I'm a great believer in, in that, um, bringing in someone who's Tottenham um, in his way of thinking, it doesn't necessarily have to have played for Tottenham, but he has to be a Tottenham way of thinker. Um, and as we've seen with Jose, if you're not, often it will it, it will fall short. Um, so Klinsman would be a great choice. Um, I, I've got to be honest, he, he would excite fans. Um, he was a legend at this football club. Um, in, in I think he only played two, three, three seasons maybe. Um, but when he was here, he was such a a fantastic representative of, the, of this football club on and off the pitch. Um, and he carried himself with what I call the Tottenham demeanour. You know, he understood the Tottenham way, he understood what we want, what we need as, a, as, as fans. Uh, and I'm certain that if he came in, he would, he would produce the kind of football that we as fans, we want to see, we want to watch. Um, so Klinsman would excite me. Brendan, Brendan Rogers would probably be the next best thing. 
but Klinsman is exciting because of what he would, what the, the, the way he would make this club feel. We would it would take us to a new level after such a, a sort of little down period where we feel sort of pretty dejected, really. Uh, and that would give everyone a big lift. Um, so for that reason, I would like to see Klinsman, yes. Interesting. Troy, can you imagine uh, Harry Kane working under Jurgen Klinsman every day in training? Uh, I think that, I, I think Klinsman's certainly one name that would probably get Harry Kane going, oh, go on then, I'll do another season. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. And really anything that wouldn't keep Harry Kane. I mean, we need to keep Harry Kane, you know, re- kind of regardless. And I know there's all kinds of rumors circulating around and stuff like that. But I mean, to have one of the top strikers really ever, you know, stay on the team and be excited about playing for the coach is really, I think is really, really key. Yeah. Did you look at Jürgen? Jürgen obviously is uh, still in the US, was obviously coached the national team. Uh, I don't think he's, I know he coached uh, uh, Hertha Berlin in, in, in Germany. Does that much club experience? How, what, what was he thought of when he was in America coaching there for the national team? Um, well, actually, he was really popular um, in as far as in the US and really well received. Um, the thing is, the US tends to circulate through coaches like that because the popularity of soccer hasn't overtaken the popularity of other sports. And so I think that it's if if a coach really wants the um, the renown and the glory and probably the money as well, they're going to go somewhere else. So we've had some great coaches and actually some great players in the U.S. too. But what tends to happen is they come into the U.S., they get better, they learn while they're here. Um, they coach some young players sometimes that are a little, uh, you know, some of the U.S. players tend to be a little more um, – difficult to coach and manage because they haven't come up through a system like they do in the UK. And I think they learn a lot from that and then they move on, unfortunately. Um, So we, as my brother and I have been, we're soccer fans when we were very young. And, you know, at first all we could do is watch them on the Spanish channel because there was nothing on the, on the American channels. And so it was Spanish channels on UHF to watch uh, soccer and things like that. But it's, it, the U.S. soccer is becoming more popular, but with a caveat in that it's not yet overtaking some of the other sports. That's interesting. Rick, um, I mean, I threw some names there. Rogers, Parker, Santos, Ragnick, Benitez, Potter, Allegri, Klinsman. Uh, I mean, I mean, I mentioned the last week's show, Emma Hayes, uh, who, who's a massive Tottenham fan and... Uh, uh, I, I'd love to see Emma Hayes as part of a setup. I think uh, she could offer a lot. I think she's a wonderful coach, and I think that would be incredibly forward-thinking. If, uh, depending on who came in, she was part of a coaching setup. Any names there, Rick, that, that you get quite excited by? Yeah, I mean, like Mickey, I'm. I would be excited by Klinsman as well as yeah. Brendan Rogers because I, I know that they would play on the front foot. They would play the Tottenham way, but. I think it's all because because I, I've thought a lot like Mickey in the past. It's great to see people coming through the boot room and having a Tottenham background. But if you think, apart from the great Bill Nicholson, if you think of the most loved Spurs uh, managers in recent years, Keith Birkinshaw, Martin Yoll, um, Harry Redknapp, uh, they've not necessarily had Spurs backgrounds, but they've become loved by Spurs fans. Yes, but why, Rick? You have to ask why they became loved. They became loved because they preached the Spurs way. Oh, absolutely. Come and preach the Spurs way, coach it that way, play on the front foot, play with creativity and flair, 
and you will be absolutely adored by the fans. Yeah, and I'm I'm completely with you uh, there, Mickey. But um, I'm just saying they they don't ne- necessarily have to have had a playing background with Spurs to understand the Spurs way. I don't think. You know, Harry Redknapp did. I mean, Martin Yole did. And, you know, I saw Martin Yole, you know, kicking lumps out of us when he played for mm. West Bromwich Albion. Yeah, uh, me. And then, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, but, you know, he was absolutely loved as, uh, as a manager, you know, as, uh, as was uh, Harry, Terry Venables, and definitely Keith Birkinshaw. And, um, you know, and, and so, like Mickey, I, I would expect whoever comes in to just understand the Tottenham way. And quite clearly, Jose Mourinho did not do that right from the very beginning. Yeah, fair enough. Well, let's just move on. We've got a very important game, uh, Saturday lunchtime, away to Leeds. Funny enough, when we beat them this season, I think it was 3-0 at home uh, against Bielsa, another manager that, that's kind of, uh, in some circles, be, be, being linked with us as well, plays a certain way and a certain style. Uh, Jose tactically really got it right that day. We absolutely picked them off and they started quite brightly. Um, Mickey, obviously, for us to hope for any kind of European qualification, we've probably got to win pretty much all our games uh leads away i mean i mean they've sort of fallen off slightly from where they were early in the season but i mean defensively we've got to be absolutely up for it haven't we yes i mean they're all all out attack uh full of energy they i've got to say they've been for me the most exciting team to watch this season uh they've been a breath fresh air um but you as you rightly said we beat them 3-0 at the at the new stadium and and could have been quite a considerable amount more, even after they'd made such a bright start. But they kept going forward. But they go forward and often leave themselves exposed at the back, which is what we've got to be ready to exploit. Um, and certainly um, we have the players, you know, if we if we looked at Sheffield United, Son, um, Bale, Kane, just behind Delhi, if you look at why that front four are going to score goals... It's because there's four. We got so many different options now. You have got Sonny running in behind. You got Delhi making those long runs from deep in behind their defence, which then creates space for other people. You know, Bale on this occasion benefited massively and got three goals. On another occasion, of Villarreal, Sonny. You know, Delhi for me is a must in our team because he gives us a different option to what Marcelo um, and Nandembele give us. They're ball players. They don't work without the ball, really. They don't make forward runs without the ball. Delhi gets defences not being able to pick them up, pick them up, and then they drop off as they try, because they know he's making those deep runs in behind. They start the drop off, which creates space elsewhere for us. So um, if we play that front four, I can see goals every game. I really can. I mean, it excites me. I want to look at my team. I want to look at my forward line. I want to look at my midfield. I want to be excited. Um, I haven't been for most of the season. When I saw the team, Sheffield United, I was so excited. I thought, wow, I've longed. From the moment Bale signed, I thought, wow, this could be sensational with, with Son, Kane, Bale and Delhi just behind. It could be sensational and it still can be. And Ryan um, is showing signs that that's what he wants. That's what he's going to do. That is the answer to us maybe, maybe keeping going and winning every game till the end of the season, playing that four players. So what's your score prediction, Mickey, for the Leeds game? 
Oh, 3-1, I suppose. 3-1. Troy, what's your prediction for the Leeds game? Give us a score prediction. Oh, man, I'm going to go even more, and I'm going to say 4-1. I, I, I think with the front four that we have, I agree. What it does is it really opens things up. And I think what we saw against Sheffield was that when there's so many options, yeah, Kane, you know, Son and Kane were not the scorers. It turned out to be Bale, but that was because they put pressure you know, they, they're, people were watching them and he had opportunities. And I think that's why he got the hat trick. And, and of course this, this game, I didn't even get a watch. I had to listen to it on BBC five. Um, but that, that was, uh, uh, but it was, you know, it was still, it was all good. And I, I could see that, that this was a totally different commentary than what has been all year. But I also think that it, it's possible to be more like four, two, if we don't watch our defense. What, what time? I mean, Saturday, I think it's uh, in the UK, it's a midday kickoff. What time is that going to be for you? So midday kickoff will be about 7am for me. <sighs> My word. Yeah, the, the last one was... No, that's 5am. That's 5am for you, Troy. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah, it's seven hours. Yeah. That's 5am for me. Wow. Um, the last one that was the afternoon game was at like eight in the morning for me. 5 a.m. Um, well, I was don't, still, I was still having my coffee. Yeah. I was still having my coffee to watch this game. Yeah, we we can't watch that one at Tap House because that's a it's a pub. They don't open until eleven. I, so. I, I, the last time I was in the states in New York and I went to the, I think it's the New York Spurs in uh, somewhere near Chelsea. I can't remember exactly where it was in Soho. Uh, it was an Irish pub. I can't remember the name of it now. Is it Flaherty's or something like that? Darren Anderson was there, and it was literally going down there at seven o'clock in the morning. People were there with their pints of lager, and I, I mean I didn't know my own name at seven o'clock in the morning. It was quite a weird experience going into this bar, and it's full of Spurs and mainly American fans. It's incredible, Ricky. Uh, what's your uh, Rick? What's your um, score prediction for Leeds? Well, uh, Leeds and Spurs are quite similar, I think, at the moment, and um, I'm going for four three, and it could be either way. Oh, well, <laughs> I, I, well, I think I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Jose, would, Jose wouldn't be pleased with you, Ricky. No. <laughs> he he goes goes box. Well, there's lots of reasons he wouldn't be pleased with me, Mickey. Yeah, I think I'll go. Here goes your two. inbox, Mike. Here goes your inbox. Now yeah, it's going to fill up just as we speak. I'll go four-two Spurs. And one thing I forgot to mention, sorry, with the Sheffield United game. Uh, you know, we, we talked about Bell and, and the front four. The extraordinarily awful uh, stamping incident with Fleck on Lacelso, which I mean, there's VAR. I could not believe in real time. I barely saw it because it was in real time but in slow motion how that wasn't a straight red mickey you played the game professionally and one could argue oh when he came down i thought he had time if you know you're going to stamp on someone's head don't you move your foot out the way as much as you can what were your feelings on it straight straight red um i think that vor uh, allows itself to be ridiculed by some of the decisions that it's made making throughout the season. Um, I think that that was absolutely a, a shocking uh, referral to VAR. The ref should have sent them off anyway. Um, but to to then refer it and, and view it in slow motion and reach the conclusion that, um, and I'm not saying for one second that I deliberately stamped on his head, but he had time to to, to avoid it. Um, and straight red all day long, and um, VAR sort of, you know, I'm I'm not a fan of VAR at all. I'm a fan of goal line technology. I think it's good. I'm a, I'd be a fan of offside VAR if it would be just feet only, mm-hmm. um, not the hair on the that sticks out your nose. 
but just your feet. If your feet are on side, you're on side. Yeah, I agree. But your sprinters, when they start a race, they're not they're not intruding over the line until their foot moves. Yeah, because that's something. Because yeah. the, sun, the sun disallowed goal was was also very disappointing, wasn't it? Exactly. Great shocking. goal. But obviously, with the offside, for instance, someone like Ricky, you know, Ricky on this show. He'd be offside every time because he'd be five yards inside his own half and his stomach would be over the half wheel line. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Rick. <laughs> but no, I, I'm not a yeah. of I would I, I don't like it. I would do away with it. Um, I don't I, I, it, for me it doesn't enhance the game in any way, short, shape, or form. And it was brought in to enhance the game. It's actually made it more controversial and worse decisions than than the human eye. So Go get away with it. I agree. I mean, I I thought it was weird. Even the the VAR guy, Stanley Park, should at least refer the ref to go and have a look at it and go. I, I think this is actually uh, an accident, but he, he stamped on his head. As the ref, you can have a look. And he didn't refer it to the ref. He didn't tell the ref to go and have a look. I mean, that's what I found uh, bizarre. Anyway, I, just, I had to sort of mention that. Well, look, let's talk about... Uh, fine enough, we were going to do this this particular show, talking about this book a couple of weeks ago. Jose was sacked, and I said to Troy and Rick, I went, honestly, we want happier times. In, and I'm so glad that, <laughs> apart the League Cup defeat aside, since we've uh, decided to do this, we've won two games of the league, things are looking a bit more up. And so there's no better time to discuss the new book co-written by Toby Benjamin and Alan Fisher. I know, I certainly know Alan's work, a wonderful, wonderful writer. And I certainly know through Rick, the illustrations, the iconic illustrations of Paul Trevelyan that many of us will will know. And that's the wonderful book, My Eyes to See in the Glory. Troy, talk us through about how the book came about. Um, well, so when I first started talking to Rick, we started talking about this partnership that we've been in. We And we talked about this Tottenham book that was out there. And he said, well, you know, the official publisher will probably pick it up or something like that. So I never, honestly, I never expected to get it. I thought it would be really great if we got this book and were able to publish it. But I, I didn't think we would get it at all. And then for whatever reason, that deal fell through. And Rick said, hey, by the way, the Tottenham book is out there. Do you want it? And I said, well, yeah, of course I want this book. Um, and uh, so it came about, I, it, the development of the book was really interesting because we got um, the interviews and and some of the things from uh, Toby Benjamin and Alan Fisher. And then we basically, we had to assemble them into the book as it is now, you know, put them in the order they are now. And then we had to select like, what pictures of Paul Trevelyan's do we use? And what do we use from color sport and other sources that really shows us who these players are and that will get fans again, get fans excited about this book, because I don't, I don't think there's ever been a collection like this before where somebody has been able to interview 40 different legends of the lane and bring them all together. So the whole concept was exciting from the beginning, but the, the development of the book was a, was a, a tremendous amount of work that was, more than we ever anticipated, but it was, it also, I learned more about the history of Spurs and, and actually grew to love the club more by putting this book together than I ever would have probably in any other way. Mm, that's very nice. Rick, I mean, what I like about it is, is, you know, you've, you've got the legends interviewed, you know, I know Mickey's, Mickey's in the book. You've even got some interviews with, with players that have sadly passed away. Uh, Alan Gilzean been on the Spurs show and, and a couple of others. Uh, was there anyone 
that you tried to get that for whatever reason you couldn't get for the book who just couldn't do an interview? Well, you'd have to talk to Toby about that because Toby did the interviews and he put them together over uh, over a number of years, I think. Mm. Um, but what I'm so happy about with this book, and as Troy so rightly said, uh, you know, originally uh, I spoke to the official publishers and um, and it didn't happen with them. But I was really pleased that it didn't happen with them because what this is is a fan's book. It's the legend's book. And Mickey talked before about, you know, being his own man and saying what he wants. Well, that's what the legends have done in this book. And that couldn't have happened if it had been an official book. And I think what it's, re- what it's made us realise that if you're going to have a true fan's book that talks the way the fans do, it can't actually be an official book because there will be restrictions put upon it by the club. So doing this book with Troy has been an absolute joy. Um, Working with uh, people like Mickey has been an an absolute joy, despite his rude remarks about my um, my, uh, (laughs) slightly larger frame. Um, But um, I'm getting thinner now, Mickey, by the way. Um, But... um, it's it really is a book for the fans and with everything that's happened recently you know with the fans saying you know they want their game back and it's not just Tottenham uh, it it makes this uh, this book even even better in my opinion because this this is a book for the fans no restrictions from the the commercial activities of any club and uh, and we'll probably we'll probably do more of these this way. Yeah, and 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 also uh, as well as managers, uh, Rick, you've got some wonderful sorry players. You've got some wonderful ex-managers in there as well, including uh, uh, Martin Yo, who we talked about earlier in the show. Yeah, well, uh, you know, as I as I said earlier, he he's actually loved. You know, I'm, with all, with all due respect to Jose Mourinho, who's been very successful, I know during his career, he's not going to be somebody that Spurs are going to be building a statue to anytime soon. Mm. But, you know, when you talk about managers like the great Bill Nicholson, like, uh, 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 you know, Terry Venables, like um, like Martin Yull, you know, these will always be remembered in Spurs fans' hearts. And it's the hearts that, that really make Spurs what it is it's not the wallets yeah i mean mickey you, you you're obviously as as an ex player and, and a an ex player that as we talked before played the tottenham way and actually won medals and uh, uh f- f- for tottenham you obviously asked to do lots of things official unofficial things what what did you like about doing this particular interview and, and being part of this particular book um i think it's important um to to recognize that it's not just a fan's book. You, you know, all books that are written, um, whether official or unofficial, actually play an incredible part in fans, players, managers, learning about the history of this great football club. Um, and this is um, a view from the inside, if you like, because former players, former managers uh, have been... Um, given their views and given their comments within it. So it, it, it's an education for fans sort of from the inside. But I actually believe that um, former managers, um, new players, 
should be made to read some of these books because as I've done earlier, it's it's very important to when you come to any club um, to know the inside of the club, to know the history, the traditions, the philosophies of that football club, to know who its past heroes are, who its players are that have made the club what it is today. You know, and 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 from every aspect, you can go from um, fans that have played a massive part in helping this club get where it is today. Um, players who, Jimmy Greaves, for instance, I mean, he's probably the greatest legend, uh, along with Bill Nick, in our history. Um, and if you're not um, familiar with the club uh, and its surroundings and its past glories, um, then the books enable you to familiar familiarise yourself with the club and its surroundings. So as a consequence, if you're a manager, when you're coming in, you get a better understanding of what's required to manage this football club or player to play for this football club. And that's the key. Um, and that's why when Rick says, you know, we don't, you don't need to have played for this football club to be a great manager of this football club. You don't. But what you do need to know is you need to know about our history and our glories and our fans and our former players. You know, I always talk about Pochettino, for instance. Um, and the, the, the thing that I love most about Pochettino is he actually knew my history. I could walk down the down the corridor, uh, uh, you know, in the tunnel at White and Poch would be walking out. And he'd go, Mickey Hazard, how are you? I mean, like, Maurizio Pochettino talking about me, someone who's played and been retired for what over 20, bordering on 25 years. And I've got the, the new manager talking, mentioning my name, you know, absolutely invite me into his office and, and, and show me around. Why? That's not that's not because he, he likes Mickey Hazard, it's because he's taken the time to know about our history, our former players, our legends, our heroes. Our philosophies, he's taking the time to learn them. Consequently, when he come to preach um, his methods, they were blended in with the Tottenham way. Um, and that's what these books do, because you have all these heroes and legends and former managers talking and commenting on, commenting on this great football club. And that, in turn, can educate new players, um, younger players coming through, yeah, your managers, Ryan Mason, for instance, I'm, I've, I've no doubt he knows everything about the football club, but he could still learn from reading a book of this sort. So it's much more than just a fan's book. It's it's actually a Tottenham Hotspur football book that sums up and is summed up by fans, players and managers alike how incredibly fantastic this football club is. Yeah, I mean that's what one of the things I love about the book that there's different stories, and what I like about it is is, is uh, Toby is asked. Everyone's asked different questions. It's not the same questions asked to all the players, so you get different answers. But the overriding thing you get from all the players and the managers is the love and respect. Still, and love and respect sounds as difficult as fans because boy, we've been through it, and it's been very difficult and late to have any respect for the actual club. Uh, maybe it's the people who run it, but the love and respect for the club shines through. We mentioned the top there that there was an advert at the top there, but uh, Troy just to remind people where can people go and get the book and maybe you can just tell people about I know there's a, a, another slightly different version as well of the book almost like a sort of deluxe collector's version let people know about that and, and how they differ and where they go for the competition and I believe there's a discount for Spurs show listeners 
Yes, there are all of those things. So actually right in front of me, in my hands, I have the first um, physical copies of limited edition to be delivered. And the difference with the limited edition is it's an eight by 10 as opposed to a standard six by nine. And all the images of the players and the managers and things like that, including the Paul Trevelyan art are full page images instead of the smaller ones that you see in the in the regular retail edition of the book. But probably the most important part about it is there's only 200 of them that will print ever. And um, they'll be num hand numbered and then you know delivered individually to people. So there's only gonna be 200 and that's it. Right. All of those. I look forward to receiving mine. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, actually, it's in the I post, Mickey. It's in the post. Post yeah. is terrible, though. COVID. <laughs> it's awful. The post is shocking. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to have big... 200 of these in my garage relatively soon. <laughs> so I can tell you, I'm going to send them out quickly because I want my garage back. Um, <laughs> so, so there's that. I'll send those out really quickly. Um, but yeah, so we're already sending out retail editions, you know, um, that type of thing. Um, there is a special for the Spurs show. Let me just read that um, URL to you. It's mooneyandlambert.com backslash Spurs, uh, little hyphen contest, little hyphen entry. And that'll basically that gives you the opportunity to enter into a contest and win a copy of the book. Um, but if you don't want to wait until that from now until 10th of May, uh, you can use the coupon code COYS20, C-O-Y-S-20 um, at checkout. And then you can get 20% off the book um, if you order it before May 10th. And um, you can order that if you go to our website. It's the if you go to mooneyandlambert.com front page. Uh, My eyes have seen the glory is the featured book on the front page. That'll take you to the page. The twenty percent off works on the retail edition, not on the limited edition. Right. Nice try, guys. But sorry. Yeah. No, <laughs> can't, we're, don't worry. Can't we're, discount we're, those. We'll put, we'll put the link uh, in the description to this podcast and the competition. If you think you are, it's going to be a question. I don't know. It's not. All you want is your email address, join the mailing list, and then you've got to, all you've got to do is give your email address, and then you're in the chance of winning a free copy. And that email address goes to our Tottenham list, and the only thing we're sending out to those Tottenham supporters is news about events, like the ones that Mickey's going to have, um, places where you can get your book signed, other Tottenham books. We're not going to send you stuff about uh, something completely unrelated to Tottenham. It's it's a Tottenham interest list that's only for fans that are interested in Tottenham Hotspurs. That's it. So it's well worth going there. And and if you think you are, what the chance of winning, go and get the discount now because it's a book you will end up buying. You might as well go and get it now and get it for a little bit cheaper. Well worth it. And I've seen it. It's beautiful. For those of you that know, you know, Paul Trevelyan and his We Are the Ref and, and many, many iconic things he's done. The pictures are, uh, the, the pictures alone are worth it, if I'm honest. Uh, so go and get it. And it really is a wonderful record of this wonderful club and also a, a record of some of the wonderful players that have been interviewed in the book and it's a tribute to them that they also get to be heard uh maybe in ways that they haven't been heard before so go and get the book now uh gentlemen well i think that's that's it for today oh he's holding up the stevie p one there yeah that's uh, it We'll be back on Friday. Uh, be myself and Johnny Blaine and uh, and a couple of other people. We'll be going into more detail about maybe some of the managers that uh, you're thinking. Well, I don't know much about them. We're going to chat a bit more details on that on Friday. Uh, so join us then. For, for now, Mickey, thank you so much for joining us again. Lovely to see. You. Hopefully, see you 
we all hope this this last game, Villa, there could be some fans there. Let's just hope that happens. Rick, great to see you again. Great. Troy, lovely to meet you. Can I just quickly say, Mike, very, very quickly, um, one of the things that wasn't mentioned is in the um, limited edition version, you get a poster of the 1961 team that's been drawn by uh, Paul Trevelyan at the time. And, oh, wow. uh, and that original was signed by all of the all of the players and mm-hmm. we should also say as well that the official launch date for this is thursday uh may the 6th and that is exactly 60 years from the day that we won the double lovely and you remember that well oh. don't you ricky hey oh, oh, come on. Years old, i'm taking so much abuse just from <laughs> you guys let alone what i'm gonna take on uh, on, on, on the facebook page <laughs> Lovely. Well, look, thank you so much all for joining us. It's lovely to see you all. Uh, things are beginning to look up for Tottenham. Let's hope we go on and, and win these remaining games and finally have something to smile about after what's been a very long and very strange season. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. Come on, you Spurs. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at spurshow.net. Sports Social Podcast Network.